Welcome to Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Join us over the next 60 minutes as we recap last week's matchups, preview the upcoming games, make predictions, and much more. Here's your host. Welcome inside Conference USA. Andrew Rogers, Justin Zimmer, Alex Jackson's back behind the glass filling in for us. This evening on Sports Night, Ben Cowers got some sports for you later on in the evening, so I gave him the night off. And Alex Jackson's back there. He'll keep us on the air and online. Boy, we've got a lot to talk about. What's I'll happened say. from one Wednesday to another? There's plenty to talk about. But first, but, but I think this is going to be our busiest episode of the year. It's going to well, not busiest, but jam packed. Oh yeah. There's plenty of news going on. But we'll start as usual with what happened last week. This past week. In Conference USA football action, a lot of conference games. Now as we get into this portion of the season into October, uh, we're seeing a lot more conference games and learning a lot about some of these schools. So let's recap Week 7. We'll start with the Friday game. Marshall taking down North Texas 49-21. to This football game kind of went in a direction that not many people thought would go. But had it had the capability of going that way because you think about years past, North Texas defensively, has struggled. This year's Marshall offense at times has shown flashes to put up a bunch of points, and that's what Marshall did scoring on its first six drives in round of a North Texas victory. Yeah, Marshall really was down. Talk about that first half. By the end of the first half, North Texas only had seven points. So, you know, Marshall was very was very dominant early on in this game. Grant Wells had a career night. You know, he obviously has the obviously has a couple picks, but I think by this point, I think Marshall fans are kind of just used to him making. At least one or two mistakes in the game. I thought career night for Grant Wells, 18 completions in a row. I think the Marshall offense just—they finally came to life last week. So I think this—I thought this was a great performance for the Thundering Herd. Defense though, a little sloppy late. You know, they allowed 14 points in the fourth quarter, but continued that third quarter streak. So I think a very—I want to say it's a statement win, but it's a very good win for a team that's struggled so far in the first half of the season. Well, we've talked about, and actually, well, let's go back. You mentioned Grant Wells' historic performance. He completed 18 consecutive passes at one point in this football yep. game. So that's the record we're referring to, this historic performance. Also ran for three scores, uh, only four yards, but they, most of those runs came in the red zone, yeah, like, like helping finish one, drives. It was like on the one-yard line, and then it would, yep. then it would get, get him for a touchdown. This is the win, though, that we have talked about on this program a few times since the middle game, the Middle Tennessee State loss that Marshall was going to need to have a convincing victory, whether that be uh, beating a quality team or just blowing someone out or making a statement. Marshall needed a game like this, and it got it against North Texas because the Old Dominion game was sloppy. I mean, that's one you grind it out, okay, our season's still alive. We can still win the conference despite the middle loss. You survive against Old Dominion in Week 6, and then Week 7, you put that performance out. That is exactly what Marshall fans and exactly what Coach Huff wanted to see out of his bunch, knowing we've got to put a full game together because they haven't really done it yet. When you date back to Navy, that's probably the only time Marshall's played really a complete football game. To see it happen and have it happen in conference play, big sign for moving forward for the herd. You just got to hope that they keep up the confidence. I think it's it. You know, they have a bye week this week, an open week, bye week NFL. You know, I think at this point, you know, the guys get to go home, you know, see the family, say hi, you know, say hi to their girlfriends. But you know they they get they get they get a week off, they have time to kind of just like relax. But they had to come back. They put they play FIU, and you really can't just underestimate an opponent from this point on. Because November's tough, so yep. get a convincing win now and try to regroup for for the final stretch of the season, which is very difficult. Well, what's 
very interesting about um, this and this, how Marshall's schedule lines. You put that performance out, and then you can't play next. You don't have a game next week. So it's like you build all that momentum, you get a big victory, and then you got to wait two weeks to play again, not till Saturday when FIU comes to here to Huntington on October 30th. All right, the Saturday games were four Saturday games. And they were all relatively blowouts, too. Every game this week was kind of a blowout. We'll start Western Kentucky 43-20 over Old Dominion. At one point, it was 30-3. Old Dominion fights back, makes it a game early in the fourth quarter, but ultimately, Western Kentucky is way too much for Old Dominion to handle. Bailey Zappi, 400 yards, five touchdowns. Tell you what, this guy is having himself a pretty darn good season. 26 touchdown passes. That's tied for first in the nation, and he's got sec- he's second in passing yards with over 2,600 passing yards. This is a guy that's had back-to-back five touchdown games here in Conference USA play. Western Kentucky offensively is a handful. Yeah, he's the touchdown king of college football right now. He's twenty, you know, tied for 26 touchdowns. We 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 kind of made fun of the Houston Baptist offense early on in the season. At least I did. I didn't think it was going to work. It's been working out so far, so well. So another great performance for Zappy, 397. I believe he was near 500 last week. Not, not, not this past night, but the week before he was near yep. 500 yards. So the Hilltoppers, they're dominant. I think they're getting into their stride. Uh, but you know my favorite down, Andrew? Third down. Horrendous performance on there. Three for 14. That's not that, not a great performance. But they were able to convert on fourth down. Three for four. Pretty good rate. The rushing game, you know, kind of got quiet a little bit. 121 on the ground. But when you have a very good aerial attack, you don't really need... The running backs do the majority of the work, so great performance by Western Kentucky. Old Dominion surprised me. I kind of thought after a close game with Marshall, I thought Old Dominion would be a little more inspired. I thought they would have another close game. Just didn't have it today. You know, only 119 on the ground, 327 through the air, so I think Old Dominion, I think, I thought they'd do better than they did, but Western Kentucky, very good win, and that could set up a very interesting game, uh, the last game of the season between Western Kentucky and Marshall with two teams that this point, Western's going to have to win four more games to get to bowls. Well, they they're going to have to win out. Yeah, you got about eight games on the schedule, so you can win, or about six games left on the schedule. So you probably have one, maybe two, to uh, oh, yeah, lose already, the rest of the way. So they've got about yeah, they've six already had more. Their, they've already had their open week, so yeah, they. So yeah, uh, they got Middle Tennessee and Rice coming. So that the, they'll be about four and four, and then FIU. So so about. Five It'll be four. close. Yeah, good football team though. They've hit a lot. They played a lot of good teams, especially in the yeah, non-conference portion. So the record is not indicative of what this Western Kentucky team is. How about Jareth Stearns, the wide receiver? He's been the main guy for Zappi. Also comes over from Houston Baptist this season. Sixty-nine catches already, nine hundred sixty-two yards, and eight touchdowns. That is a career and a season for many people. In fact, that doubles his total in every each one of those categories from last season. Uh, with Houston Baptist. Obviously, it was a shortened year last year for them, but uh, still, he's had a phenomenal year. Interesting that Old Dominion here in Game 7 went to Hayden Wolf. DJ Mack had been the starter, kept him in against Marshall. Didn't provide a lot against the Herd, but kept it competitive. They went to Hayden Wolf this week, 330, and two picks did not throw a touchdown, but he had a connection with Kuntz and Jennings, both combining for 23 catches total and really a majority of the 300 yards that Wolf through four. Just had one more thing about Zappi. I think him having some of his receivers come with him from Houston Baptist, that's been tremendous because oh, yeah. they, they already had chemistry. He kind of knows where he wants them to line up, and I think that's what's leading to the offensive success. 
Alright, let's go down to the beatdown in Hattiesburg, and this was a massive beatdown. If you like defense, uh, UAB's defense was phenomenal. Only held, only held Southern Miss to 107 offensive yardage for the game. UAB defeated Southern Miss 34-0. Andrew, your thoughts on this before I get the tee up and have my, my fun? Well, again, the story for Southern Miss has just been no quarterback play. They just haven't had anything offensively. Three quarterbacks combined for 32 yards passing and an interception. Frank Gore Jr., the heart and soul of the offense, runs for 40 yards. I mean, the numbers just haven't been good statistically for Southern Miss. And when you go up against one of the better defenses in Conference USA and UAB, didn't expect this to probably go well. And UAB offensively was good. Hopkins in his limited time, 147 in a score. McBride, the running back to Wayne McBride, 137 in a touchdown on the ground. This was not really a surprise performance from UAB. We know what they're capable of. Good passing attack when it's needed. Uh, a good running game. We talked about it, though, a lot when Power 5 teams play Marshall, Old Dominion, those kind of teams. You can't have special teams plays or just these momentum-changing yep. plays. Well, it happened in this game. and it's kind of, We're not saying UAB is Power 5, but when you have a better team in Conference USA going up against a Southern Miss team that's near the bottom, you can't have those plays that's a blocked punt or whatever, and that blocked punt leads to t- a touchdown. It makes it 17 nothing, and then the, the floodgates open, and UAB leads 31 nothing at half just like that. You can't have those plays wherever you're playing, especially when you go up against a team that's better than you because it flips momentum, and it puts you then uh, kind of in a hole, and that's what it did to Southern Miss because this was a 10 nothing game early in the second quarter. Southern Miss still trying to hang around. Blocked punt changes the game. Well, well let me just say this real quick. I, I, I know we talked about this. I, I, you you say special teams play on the power five. I don't think you can have a special teams play in general. I think any big special teams play ruins the momentum of the game. We talked about UAB last week bringing in the student assistant to be quarterback. He got in today. Didn't do well. None of the quarterbacks did well. They went 6 for 16 overall, 32 yards. It's hard to stop. It's it's hard not to be like, okay, what's going on in Southern Miss? There's obviously, there's obviously a problem with the offense. Is it a scheme problem? That could be it. Is it a recruiting problem? That could be it. But there's obviously a problem. UAB, another good performance by them. I mean, Dylan Hopkins 8 for 13, Tyler Johnson 3 for 7. But the quarterback playing this game on both sides was not phenomenal. So there needs to be a little bit of working on both sides of the quarterback. The rushing attack for UAB, once again, that kind of propelled them to this win. But it wasn't the passing play. Let's move on. UTSA, the newly ranked Roadrunners, moved into the 24th in the new top 25 AP poll. Went down or went down and defeated Rice at home, 45 to nothing, and a victory gives the Roadrunners a seven and zero record, undefeated. The only team in Conference USA that remains undefeated, and the only team in Conference USA that is ranked. Roadrunners get it done against the Rice Owls. And again, the story in this one, too, defense. Rice only 102 yards of offense. That UTSA defense, Justin, quietly performs well here against Rice. Obviously, gave up 46 the week before against Western, but you like the response defensively holding a Rice team that has, at times, shown it can run the football, mix in a little bit of a passing attack, and UTSA shut it down completely. This is a full win. Offensively, they were clean. Everything really went well for UTSA in this route. And we talked about momentum on big plays. Rice had two pick six in the game. So we're talking about a team losing momentum. You know, even though Rice got blown, every time, anytime you have a pick six, that kind of yep. ruins the momentum of the team. So having two of those in the same game, 
that doesn't really help the cause. Sincere McCormick, 117 yards. Again, it's, it's been interesting with McCormick this year. I thought they'd use him more. But UTSA has had a very good cast of characters around him on the rush game. B.J. Daniels, Frank Harris. They've been very good. They were leading rushers in this game, the top three. So they have a very good cast around them. And Frank Harris, another good day at quarterback, 12 for 19. But Constantine and McCaffrey, just Rice has got to figure out that quarterback situation. But, you know, UTSA, congratulations. However, not the first time they've been in the Maybe no first time they're in the top twenty-five. UTEP's been in the top twenty-five before yep. many years ago. First time in school history, UTSA's yep. been seven and zero. I, I don't remember because I remember I saw the the stat. I just forgot if it was UTEP or yep. UTSA's first time, so I apologize. But yeah, I thought good day for UTSA. But here's the pressure now: they're ranked, and you know we saw it with Marshall last year. They lost one game and out they went. So yeah, that's probably the same expectation here for UTSA when they lose a game. If they lose a game, they'll probably drop. But I think you just can't let it get into your head this week you know, that you're ranked and that, that you got to play the same consistent football. Oh, yeah. I think the mindset easily is, oh, we're ranked. We can underestimate opponents now. You still actually got to give your opponent all you got. And, you know, they play a very tough Louisiana Tech team, so it's not it's not an easy way home for a ranked, a ranked UTSA. Well, not even the ranking factor, too, now, Justin, but this team's 7-0. and So there's a target for some of these teams in the West Division as UTSA moves forward throughout the rest of Conference USA play. That's like, hey, we want to be the team that knocks off the, the last unbeaten team here in Conference USA. So there's a little bit of a target. And plus, UTSA is still hunting down UAB for that West Division because UTSA was a good football team last year. UAB outdueled them, held them off to win the West UAB has a threat this year, and not even to mention UTEP. We'll get into the standings here in a moment, but UTEP is a team that's dangerous and is coming off a victory over La Tech, 19-3 on Saturday night. El Paso, Texas went crazy after a fourth straight win. UTEP is 6-1. and one. They're going bowling. Hello. They're going bowling. Who would have thought that in the first month of the season if you told me UTEP would be 6-1 and one after its first seven games? The schedule was favorable. But UTEP's playing some pretty darn good football. And this is a La Tech team that coming in, and we've talked about it a lot, record not indicative. They've played some tough teams, Mississippi State, NC State, two teams they took to the wire and nearly won on the road. And UTEP welcomed the Bulldogs to El Paso and made them leave with several turnovers. Austin Kendall, three interceptions. He didn't look good. That UTEP defense might be for real. Only holds them to three. Yeah, I think they are for real. And by the way, first off, congratulations to that program. Huge accomplishment. First time in eight years that they're going to go to a bowl game. So, But I think you still have the task to get done. I mean, you still have a chance to win the conference. You know, I think it's easy at this point to be like, okay, we achieved we achieved our program goal. We, we wanted to go bowling. We achieved that. But, Andrew, I mean, they're not out of the conference race yet. No. Nope. So they really got – I think they really just got to stay – I mean, imagine they win the conference. They could really get a good bowl game. So, as of right now, enjoy the moment, but got to get going. Huge win for Dan DeMell and that staff. But uh, Louisiana Tech, we talked about their quarterback problems, I believe, at the beginning of the year, about the carousel quarterbacks they have. Austin Kendall just not living up to what would expect it. 15.8 QBR, three picks, so... He had been good, decent. He had been decent in the yeah. few weeks prior in those Power Five games. He had looked good, just not this week. That's that was surprising. I just think the difference is, I think, I don't know if he underestimated the opponent, but I think he kind of got caught in that trap of like, I think you want to play good against the Power Five, you want to make a name for yourself, because that's what a lot of the scouts going to be watching. You know, you're not are scouts watching Louisiana Tech, UTEP? Not really. I mean, they're not going to pull a player aside, but 
Marcus Williams Jr.'s UTEP's rush defense, 92 rushing yards all day. So, phenomenal team in that. And that one's trouble because UTSA is a very rush-heavy team. UAB is a very rush-heavy team. So, UTEP, I think, now has a chance. But I, I do still think UTSA and UAB will win that game. Moving when they, when they play UTEP. Moving forward, just a, a little bit of a concern. UTEP offensively, four turnovers, three fumbles, and a pick. So that's something that, yes, they get the victory. They score 19 points, but moving forward, the turnovers may not be able and may not be helpful in a game when you play UAB. UTSA, the best teams probably got lucky. in the West at this point. You, you may do time, that at home, but not all the time. They'll that work out in your favor. And a lot of times, if you have four turno- turnovers, you're not winning the game. So, yep. l- lucky night for them. Here's the Conference USA standings before we take a break. In the East Division, Charlotte remains the only undefeated team. 49ers 2-0 and 4-2 and overall this season. Marshall is 2-1, and the only 2-1 and team in CUSA play, 4-3 and overall. Two teams are 1-1, one one, FAU and Western Kentucky, both 1-1 one one in Conference USA play. Middle Tennessee State is 1-2, FIU is 0-2, and Middle Tennessee State is 0-3. All right, let's go to the West Division. The UTSA Roadrunners, the 24th-ranked Roadrunners, 3-0 in Conference USA play. UTEP, 3-0 in Conference USA play. UAB, 3-0 in Conference USA play. So we have a three-way tie at the top. Louisiana Tech and Rice, they're tied for fourth at 1-1, one and, one. and then you got two teams down in the bottom, two North Texas and Southern Miss tied so I had to lose about two at zero and three. So, Andrew, your initial thoughts on the standings? Going to be a fun race, especially in the West, but particularly even I mean, even the East. Both divisions in this conference are very competitive. It looks more competitive in the West right now because you got the three teams at the top, and then you think, okay, La Tech, they've been solid in the past. They usually have a good group. Skip Holtz is always going to have his guys ready to roll. And but they're back at one and one. You look at the East, you're like, okay, there's only one undefeated team. Marshall's already lost to Middle, who's got two losses. FAU's already got a loss. So does Western. When we get into November, though, this East Division's going to get real tasty, and it's going to be a really fun month of football to see who kind of is able to win and battle out in that East Division. But again, even in November in the West, I mean, UTSA, UTEP, all those West teams have to play each other at some point. So there's going to be a plenty amount of intriguing games throughout the season. So still surprising. UTEP surprising me at the top. And how about this? Starting this week, the three East teams are going to start playing each other and the West teams are going to start playing each other. So, things are change. I'll, I'll say this, though. I know at the beginning of the year we kind of thought UAB was going to run away with it. I'm surprised it's still it's still bunched up in the top three divisions. But, as you mentioned, now's the time of the year. We're late October in the rest of the way home. It's going to be very tough for whoever wants to win the division to win it. All right, we'll uh, take a break. Do oh. you have any final thoughts before we take a break? No, I don't know if you want me to do it or not. Nah. <laughs> I'll take a break. We come back. We'll talk conference realignment. We'll leave it there and come back and talk about it next on Inside Conference USA. This tree was never chopped down because this crutch never needed to be carved because these legs never grew weak because this child never got polio. Over the past 20 years, Rotary Club members have helped immunize over 2 billion children against polio. Now we are on the brink of eradicating this crippling disease once and for all. But we need your help. Thanks to an historic matching grant from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, every dollar Rotary raises will work twice as hard to make sure vaccines reach the people who need it, to protect the children of the world against polio forever. This is an opportunity to end polio now. 
visit rotary.org slash endpolio. Rotary. Humanity in motion. Hi, this is Marshall women's basketball coach Tony Kemper, and you're listening to the worldwide leader in martial athletics coverage, the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Back inside Conference USA, Andrew Rogers, Justin Zimmer, Alex Jackson here on the program. Rare that we talk about conference realignment. I think the second week in a row we've done this. In October. Oh, yeah. In October. I mean, it's rare to talk about it really in the offseason. It only happens once in a while. And you can thank Oklahoma and Texas for mainly setting they, this they, up the catalyst for all this. in the fall. So here we are <clears throat> talking about conference realignment. The reason why is because six Conference USA schools have been, let's say, poached by the AAC to join the conference. And here's the six schools, four from the West and two from the East. We'll start the two East schools, FAU and Charlotte. FAU is kind of the replacement, I think, for UCF, Central Florida, going to the Big 12, reportedly. And so that is expected to happen. FAU could be the replacement team there. The other East team that's on the move, or is reportedly on the move, Charlotte. The, the four in the West, UAB. Rice, North Texas, and UTSA. So you get three of the four Texas schools from Conference USA. You leave out UTEP, but you grab UTSA, North Texas, and Rice. Justin, we're going to Alex, and he'll yep. talk about. He'll give his thoughts throughout here too. But overall thoughts on this. To me, at first, it was kind of surprising. I didn't really see this coming. But in terms of these six schools selected by the AAC, I understand a few, some not so much. But then again, we don't really know. Which Conference USA schools showed interest to the AAC? Was it more the AAC said, hey, we like you. Would you? Do you want to come? And they said, yeah, we're willing to come. So we don't really know with the Westerns, the Marshalls, the Old Dominion, some of these other teams, La Tech, whether they were, had interest we, from well, AAC. So Old it's Dominion, interesting. Old Dominion, we have a statement from. Yeah. And it's, not, it's very much a Conference USA. We love Conference USA. We want a state festival, but... I was surprised with a couple of these. I think Rice, I understand that's a big market. Rice in North Texas, I understand that's a big market, just like television-wise, in Houston and Dallas. But Charlotte, I was surprised, is on the move. FAU, somewhat surprising. I think Angie kind of mentioned that there was a little bit of a reasoning there. you got to fill the Central Florida void. We'll bring FAU up from Boca. But, I, yeah, I was surprised with a couple of these. But it was funny because last week we were talking about this. The American Athletic Conference is like, no, we don't want to do this whole... Re-. Funny how we changed, and now they're like, okay, everybody come over. But, yeah, I was very surprised by these these moves. But The AAC, Conference USA had wanted to merge the league. Right, they, didn't, they, they weren't in favor of that. And Conference USA, I think, knew that the AAC was going to make moves and try to steal some of these teams away. So I think that's mainly a big reason why Conference USA's commissioner and they had said, hey, let's maybe merge the leagues. And they're like, no, we don't want to do that. We're taking your teams because they're willingly going to come join our league because we've lost four or so teams. Lost three teams, yeah. Yeah, And Conference USA is about to get a nice paycheck. Three million from each of these schools, so that's eighteen million dollars. That'll lead us into what we'll talk about here in a moment. Yeah, Alex, your thoughts initially. Let's get on this part first and yeah, it was a little bit confusing to me at first <laughs> looking at some of these teams uh, coming in, and I, I was surprised that Marshall was not rumored in that batch, and then you wonder, is Marshall maybe making a move to a different conference we'll talk about here in a little bit. But but some of the teams, I guess when you look at the markets, I can understand where they're pulling from, but I really think they just made an ugly Conference USA over there trying to replace uh, several teams that are going to the Big 12. Really, they're 
big teams in um, Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston. A few of their big teams that are that are going over there. I really think it, it looks a lot like CUSA before the AAC happened, and then throw in some new blood from the CUSA. I don't think it is a terrific conference, but I don't think it is. It's better than CUSA as it stands right now. But again, I, I was surprised with a few of the moves like Charlotte going over there. Yeah, I was surprised by Charlotte too. I was really surprised that I thought they were gonna. I thought they were gonna do what the Big Ten did. So I'm not surprised that they they went for FAU or FIU. I wasn't surprised there because I thought they were gonna be like, okay, we lost a team in Florida, we're gonna replace it with a team in Florida. And the same thing with Texas. Like we lost a team in Texas, we're gonna replace a team with Texas. The Charlotte one and it came out of the blue for me. I'm like, I don't see any benefit for the AAC in taking Charlotte. That, that's just me. The American like, the AAC does not have a television network. It's done through ESPN Plus. That's where all their games are. So this isn't a normal. Because when the Big Ten did it with Maryland and Rutgers, it was, oh, the big market. We have DC. We have New York. Mm-hmm. We can advertise our network. So, to me, unfortunately, congratulations on the move. But no one's winning. Like none of these schools are winning. They're just joining a weaker conference. There's not going to be a powerhouse in the American Athletic Conference but well I, I think for the teams coming from CUSA it's not a horrible move for them because I the way that CUSA sits right now it is not even with some of the teams from the American leaving and going over you just bring over pretty decent teams from CUSA and put them to the American so it's a better conference for them I don't really know that I see the benefit with some of the teams for the American conference right. it kind of seems like a desperation move and not trying to perhaps poach some of the other big players in other group of five conferences. I I, I don't know exactly what all the deals are. I just don't know who they would poach from the other conferences. That, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like who? Like I think Conference USA was their only option. I think they kind of realized, like, well, are we can are we going to get boys to leave? No, they're not going to want to leave the Mountain West. I think they were just kind of stuck with Conference USA being the only one available to kind of take members from. Well, I guess the the question you have to ask yourself is, was the AAC the premier group of five conference just because of the brand or because of the teams that are leaving now with Cincinnati, UCF? A little bit of both. No, I think it was the teams that were leaving. I think that's the... A little bit of both. SMU's a solid program there. Memphis is known for having solid teams. Basketball, even you could consider UConn and some of those teams. I'll go back. I think Charlotte is a good pickup for the AAC, honestly, in that matter, because think about it. It's a young football program in a major southern city, Charlotte, North Carolina. They've shown desire to grow the program. This is a step forward for Charlotte to help them continue to build their program and now uh, go into a new conference to try to reestablish something. So I like the Charlotte move. Even FAU makes sense. Just shocking to see UAB. I understand they want UAB because of what they've been able to do over the past couple of years, but to not get that fourth Texas school in UTEP, you just kind of leave them out and for them where to go. We've I've already read that the Mountain West has already really decided we're not going to expand, so that leaves several teams out, and that'll lead us here into discussion. The, the buyout's $3 million, so six times three, six teams leaving $3 million. That's $18 million for Conference okay, USA here. Right. Let's get that um, for a second. Oh, no, no, math. math's easy for me, Justin. Okay. Um, $18 million, though, for Conference USA to work with now to maybe try to consider 
sending some of these other schools away so they don't leave because now the rumors are being flown around that Marshall, Southern Miss, Old Dominion, maybe even Western Kentucky could be on the move to the Sunbelt Conference. And now that the Sunbelt is thinking, okay, AAC just went and got who they want. Maybe it's time we go and get who we want before it's too late. So our thoughts on that, do you think the $18 million that Conference USA is going to get is enough to consider to allow these teams to stay? Plus, keep in mind, Liberty's been rumored to come to Conference USA. Even the Sun Belt, too, they've been thrown in. Liberty's obviously independent. Consider James Madison as an option, too, that could go to Conference USA or the Sun Belt. So it's a, it's a very, you know, two hours from now, we could just see here's four teams going to the Sun Belt from Conference USA and Marshall not be one of them or whoever not be one of them that we expect. But it's a thing that's always changing, and those are things you have to keep in mind now. I, I want to make a point, and then I'll feed this into Justin because he, he – um, brought something to my attention that yeah, I hadn't really thought we about. We were talking about this before the show, we, and just so we apologize, but I'll bring it up on air so you can hear it. We, we talked about this before. When when I think about a football move, I'm thinking all the way, go to the Sun Belt, because you got App State over there, Coastal Carolina's over there. Even I have a lot of respect for the Louisiana program that's over there. You have a bunch of programs that are on the rise, and it seems like a good move. And then I started thinking about other sports. started thinking about basketball, and he, he brought up a good point about how the Sunbelt champion last year was a 16-seed play-in team, yep, yep. and the CUSA was 13-seed. So in basketball or in other sports, it would honestly probably be a better conference than the CUSA, especially if you add Liberty, who's a very solid college basketball program, has made the tournament, I think, the last couple years in a row, made some runs. So if, if you're talking about just football, that's one thing. But I think there's also a lot of other factors that go into it with this move. So it's going to be interesting to see how these things develop i never had anything wrong with conference usa really at all the only big problem with it i mean it's literally conference usa because there's schools from all over the country so you literally have an east division and a west division west virginia think about this okay with these teams on the move the closest game for utep and well the conference usa radius now without those teams utep's better off to go play a game in california than anywhere else any other team they play in conference usa is farther than going to California. It's also going to be the same issue for the other teams in Conference USA. They're going to have to go down to, to Utah. Yep. Here's what I think if you're Conference USA, what you do with the $18 million. I think you poach Liberty. You poach James Madison. I don't... I'm not aware of their... The, the issue, though, is how does Conference USA do that? Because they just got six me- league members taken away. So Liberty's thinking, okay, this conference is kind of in limbo right now. So why go commit there if the what? Marshals, the Old Dominions, the Southern Misses, whoever else leaves well, too but at this point we're saying marshall's staying yeah we don't know what's going on we don't know what the conversations are in old main right now how do you how do you convince liberty to come though i don't know if you can't you have to get in writing from some of these other teams hey we're going to stay because right now it's oh well we're well, all going to the sun well, i think the big 12 thought that the big 12 thought texas and oklahoma was going to stay and they, and they just got out of the sec so you, you have to get some type of commitment because as of right now if you're some of these other teams that are coming in, especially James Madison, who would be coming up from the FCS level. You're looking not to put yourself in a situation where you're going to go into a conference that may not be here in a year or two. So you're, you're looking at that for them. For Liberty, I think it's a little different because they've been wanting everything to do with getting into a, any conference, especially with their football program. They were actually, I believe, going weren't they going to pay to get into Conference yeah, USA? Yeah, I think I heard that there. So I, I think for them it's a little different. I think if they could, obviously they'd like the league to still be standing, but if you're going to try and get members to join, you're going to have to have your 
members who are still in the conference that are rumored to go somewhere else saying, we're going to stay here. And as of right now, you don't have that. Well, you have two. Old Dominion and Middle Tennessee, they put statements out last night. And it was a, we love Conference USA, we're staying put. So as of right now, when all the skedaddling's happening, you have two members saying, as of now, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, saying, we're staying put, we want to commit to Conference USA. That's not enough, though. No, it's not. I'm just saying... They need everybody to do that. And plus, again, like you said... Real quick, Marshall's president, Jerome Gilbert, who's, who's in his last year, Jeff O'Malley put a statement out yesterday. You know what words were not mentioned in that statement? Conference USA. Those words were not mentioned at all. So I don't look anything into that kind of stuff. Well, I, I'm, I'm just saying... I, I, I know. I, I'm just giving my... I don't think that means too much, but... It, compared to the other schools that are staying in Conference USA, where Conference USA was mentioned multiple times... But I, I do think the Sun Belt's the best move at this point. I just don't know who else you're going to get to go to the Sun Belt. Because you also got to pay conference USA $3 million. Right. Who, who knows what the entry fee is for the Sun Belt? We don't, know, we don't know the cost of that entrance yet. Well, if you're Marshall, I don't really think you're worried about who else is going to go to the Sun Belt with you because the conference is already pretty well established. you got to worry about what's good for that yeah. Marshall's program. Not yeah, so much who's not, going you're, with you. You don't you. really worry about. Well, you're getting more doing. national TV exposure. Exactly. If you're the Sun Belt. That's the only. Which that's is, the only benefit I see as of right now. I don't see any other benefit to the Sun Belt. Football is extremely better, I think, than Conference USA. And there's football. also some built-in rivalries there, and potential rivalries. I think Marshall, yeah. Coastal Carolina, every year would do some. App State. Yeah, We've exactly. seen what that's done the past two years. Yeah. The, the that's the biggest thing. Just in Conference USA, you've got Western Kentucky. Maybe they come to the Sun Belt as well if Marshall ends up going there. But there just isn't that rivalry factor every week. Like Marshall comes in when when FIU comes to Huntington next week to play Marshall. Yeah. It's FIU. I mean, what's FIU mean to Marshall besides a few wins over the course of their history? So it's definitely interesting conference realignment. Probably come back next Wednesday and have six other teams at a conference USA well, next on week, the move. Well, next but week will all be official. Next week can really look at the the actual consequence of this next yeah. week. But this might be the last year of this program inside Conference USA. Well, it's going to be multiple years though. Because because they're gonna have to live out the contract. Yeah, true, but still, it's kind of this could be coming to the toward the end here. Twenty twenty three, twenty four. Well, it'll be, be, be Ben Cower who welcome people to around inside the Sun Belt. The sun belt. Yeah, yeah. No, I think around the Sun Belt sounds better. Oh, that's actually yeah, I, I like, like I that. like around the Sun Belt. Around but, the sun well, it'll be Ben Cower's decision. Let's give him a chance. All right, we'll, we'll get him next break. week on this as well. We'll get yeah, yeah. Break. This is a growing topic that we'll discuss a lot throughout probably the rest of the fall, maybe even into the spring. We'll take a brother break, come back, I'll make my picks before i got to leave this program here before Sports View. So we'll come back, I'll make my picks, let you know what Ben has for this week on Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. I thought indoor tanning was safe. Right. They say their tanning rays were less likely to cause a sunburn. What you need to know is that they can be worse. They can cause deeper skin damage because the lamps can emit more ultraviolet radiation than the sun. Up to 15 times more. 15 times! Hello? Not only can UV rays cause skin cancer, but they can cause ugly, wrinkly skin and age spots. So instead of making you look cool, they can make you look like old. And FYI, every year there are more than one million new cases of skin cancer. Including melanoma, the deadliest form of skin cancer. And and the the second most common cancer for women in their 20s. Yes, in their 20s. And treatment for skin cancer can be surgery and sometimes even chemotherapy and radiation. But still, more than 10,000 people will die from skin cancer each year. You don't want to be one of them. 
Don't be in the dark. Indoor tanning is out. Be safe. Don't go there. A message from the American Academy of Dermatology. For more information, visit aad.org. This is former Marshall pitcher Jordan Dixon. Razio calling for it on the run, makes the catch for the final out. Jordan Dixon gets career win number 100. And you're listening to the worldwide leader in Marshall Athletics coverage, the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Back inside Conference USA, Andrew Rogers, Justin Zimmer here on the program. Alex Jackson behind the glass, keeping us on the air and on line. Here are, are the records through seven weeks of Conference USA football. Justin, you set 57 and 11, 57 wins, 11 losses, one and one loss last week. Ben is 53 and 15, and I am 60 and eight. Oh. I think you only had one loss that week, I believe. Yeah. I believe only one loss, and Alex is going to make his picks in the next segment. I'll take a break after going through Ben and I's selections here for Week 8. So you want me to read you the games? Sure. Well, let me give you one thing here. Zimmer last week missed on Marshall, North Uh Texas. He had North Texas winning. Ben and I both missed on the LaTeX-UTEP game. We had LaTeX winning, and LaTeX went down. So, yeah, read me the games. I'll let you know what we got. We'll start off with Thursday Night Football at Jared Richardson Stadium in Charlotte. How about... What could potentially be two American Athletic Conference members, FAU and Charlotte. Andrew, who you got? Yeah, I'll tell you what, this is a big football game for the East Division. Charlotte's 2-0, the only remaining unbeaten team in conference play in the East Division against an FAU team that's already dropped one game. So the Owls, in their minds, are thinking, okay, we've got to win out, we've got to play good football, and an opportunity here to go on the road against a Charlotte team that has played solid football, but they don't really have a great win. You beat middle you beat FIU, now you get a real test here at home against an FAU team that trying to right the ship. You got blown out kind of by UAB last time out. You have a week off to prepare for this game, so that helps. You've got about 10 or 12 days uh, leading up to this football game to be able to prepare for it. Ben likes FAU on the road. I think Charlotte gets it done at home. This is a, t- it's a tough environment. It's a good college football stadium young program but you can tell it's building into a good one with what they can do down there so i like charlotte matchup predictor on espn here they like fau the line seven points in favor of the owls that's an interesting line there but i like charlotte i like what charlotte's done i think they steal one at home against the owls all right let's visit uh andrew's favorite school from saturday night uconn middle tennessee why is that my favorite school because you were texting ben and i about well, it's because we're talking about uh, Connecticut football uh, on Marshall Men's Soccer Night. Okay, well, we know you love UConn. All right, Middle Tennessee, actually, it's a good, good university. Middle Tennessee taking on the Huskies. Who you got in this game? I like Middle Tennessee State. Cunningham's been good at quarterback since he really took over his numbers, 12 touchdowns to two picks so far in the games that he's played in, just shy of 1,000 yards, and that's only in a few games. He's been really good. Got to go on the road here against a Connecticut team that's coming off a victory, first victory in, what, over 700 days against yeah. Yale. Obviously, Yale, not Division One, so that's not a great victory, but it's a win, and that helps build confidence. So, well, they also have an interim head coach, Lou Spanos. Yeah, yeah, so you got have all that going, but I think Middle Tennessee State's able to get this done on the road. I think way too much offense from Cunningham. The passing attack's been good. Ben agrees with me, but we've both got Middle Tennessee State. All righty, let's go to the Saturday slate. You didn't tell me which one's the game of the week, so... All right, we'll go to Protective Stadium in Birmingham. Rice taking on the Blazers. Uh, Andrew, who you got in this one? We'll make game of the week UTSA La Tech when we get that, there. That's but, what I was thinking. Yeah, none of them are really standout great ones. Maybe FAU Charlotte, but it's not on a Saturday. But yeah. either way, uh, yeah, Rice UAB Ben's likes Ben likes UAB 
again, we thought last week Rice would compete against UTSA, got blown out 45 to nothing because Rice is one of those teams they always seem to hang around with how they play. I think maybe this one's a little bit closer. I don't expect UAB to do what they did to Southern Miss, and that's shut them out and win 34 nothing. So it's interesting because you have one team that's coming off a shutout victory and a one team that's coming out off a shutout loss. And uh, so you've got that situation going, but I don't think it ends up being like that. I think Rice tries to keep it close for a while, but UAB is ultimately going to win this football game. That defense is tough, and the offense, when need when it needs to, plays really well. So Ben and I both got UAB. Right, let's go down to Dallas, Liberty, North Texas. Liberty's played a couple of Conference USA teams now. They, what, they beat UAB, they beat Middle Tennessee State, so another Conference USA team. Maybe they should just join the conference now. They might be. They could come. <laughs> Maybe they're realizing before the conference is pretty they're, weak. They're probably doing a little check. Being like, can we beat them? Yep, okay, we can play. Yeah, so an opportunity here against North Texas. The Mean Green won in five this season. Won the first game of the year. They've lost five in a row. It's an offense that has struggled. Austin Ani since taking over five touchdowns, four picks. He's not been great. The running game's been solid. DeAndre Torrey has been a good running back, 780 yards, six touchdowns. But I think Liberty, Malik Willis, what he's been able to do is going to be too much. Liberty's coming off a victory in which they were 30-point favorites against UL Monroe and lost by three. So they've got a chip on their shoulder that you get it done against the Mean Green. Ben thinks, is, thinks so as well. So give me Liberty. All right, we'll go to the last game before the game of the week. Western Kentucky taking on FIU in, 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 in the 305 Miami. Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky's offense, this is a team averaging nearly 41 points per game. It's incredible what they've been able to do in just a matter of an offseason with Bailey Zappi and all the weapons that come over and Zach Kirtley, the offensive coordinator. So what they have been able to do is just going to be way too much for FIU's defense to handle. FIU defensively has given up nearly 37 points per game. FAU who has been a kind of a sketchy offense, hit or miss at times, put 58 on the Panthers and expects 60 from the Hilltoppers of Western Kentucky. Ben likes Western Kentucky, and that's his bullseye, by the way. Ben's bullseye this week, Western Kentucky, outright versus FIU. He does not want you to spread, though, because Uh he believes the game will be closer than 15 points. The line's 15 for Western Kentucky. I'm going to disagree with Ben. I think Western blows out FIU at home. But Ben's bullseye, Western straight up, but not by the spread. I'll do this when you go down. So, game of the week, UTSA, La Tech. Yeah, good football game. I tell you what, UTSA comes off the big win against Rice, La Tech, a scary, uh, or a scare of a loss against a UTEP team that has surprised a lot of schools so far. So, I like UTSA in this football game. I think they get it done. It's going to be close. La Tech is at home, chip on their shoulder, coming off the loss, realizing probably that one more loss probably gives them really no chance to win the West Division. I think La Tech's going to play a competitive game. It's probably going to come down to a final key plays and whether Austin Candle can protect the football, but I think he does enough to keep this close, but UTSA is ultimately going to win this football game. The defense has played well, and when you've got a good quarterback and a healthy quarterback and Frank Harris with a good running back behind him when Cecil McCormick, UTSA is too much for La Tech to handle. Ben agrees with me there as well. All right. It's unfortunate that time Andrew Rogers will be making his way downstairs. You're going to hear him in about 15 minutes when he interviews Steve Cotton, the voice of Thundering Heard on Sportsview. But we're going to take a quick break, and then Alex Jackson and I are going to take over. You're listening to Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. To be fully fit, you have to be physically fit. You also have to be mentally fit. I wish that more warriors would realize how important it is that you get the psychological support that you need so that you can focus on the rest of your life. 
I think it takes strength in order to admit that you have an issue, but it also takes intuitiveness of a friend, a leader, a supervisor to pick up on the signal that the soldier is having issues and needs to seek professional help in dealing with it. It's also important for the lowest possible levels of leadership to be very supportive in helping their members get the help that they need. When I went to get help, I had more help than I could have asked for from my entire command. It's sometimes challenging to come to a senior staff member or senior officer in the unit with a problem. There's not a commanding officer out there or a leadership staff out there that doesn't want to help. So don't hesitate. Come ask. Learn more by visiting www.realwarriors.net or calling 1-866-966-1020. After the phone interview, I assumed the apartment was mine. But when I got to the place and the manager saw me, he told me it was no longer available. My husband and I wanted to see all the neighborhoods with great schools, but our real estate agent only showed us the communities where she thought we would be more comfortable. I was so excited to move into my new place, but now that I'm here, I found out that the landlord is charging me higher rent than my neighbors. Now that doesn't make me feel very welcome. These individuals may have experienced housing discrimination. The Fair Housing Act prohibits discrimination because of race, color, national origin, religion, sex, disability, and familial status. If you've experienced discrimination, call 1-800-669-9777 or visit www.hud.gov slash fairhousing. Live free from housing discrimination. Award-winning coverage lives right here on WMUL-FM Huntington, WFGH-FM Fort Gay, and WTHM-LP Ravenswood, West Virginia. Hi, this is former Marshall softball player Jordan Cauliflower, and you're listening to the worldwide leader in Marshall athletics coverage, the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Inside Conference USA. Andrew Rogers has gone downstairs. I've moved into his chair. Alex Jackson joining the program. So Alex would make some game picks here since uh, since Andrew's out here. This is normally when, and, and when uh, Andrew and I would do it. So y- you had a good record last time. I believe you only lost one game. I know. We'll try to keep it up this time. I mean, this is quite a few interesting matchups this week. Yeah, we, we, got, we got a couple. I want to start off with that Thursday night game. As I mentioned before Andrew left downstairs, maybe some future AAC opponents. These schools might be seeing each other in what they call the Power Six, the American Athletic Conference. Florida Atlantic against Charlotte. I actually am going to agree with what Andrew said. I'm going to take Charlotte in this one. I think it's interesting. The spread has FAU at seven. You know, we've seen what Charlotte can do this season. They they took out an ACC team at the beginning of the year. They, uh, you know, kind of hung around with a uh, Illinois team on the road, and then in their last outing beat FIU. So I'm going to take Charlotte at home uh, over FAU. See, I find that interesting because I, I think Charlotte this year, I think they've been very good. You know, they beat Duke, which they were not expected to. That was a, that was a surprise upset week one. And then since then, I mean, they played they played Illinois, I thought, very well. And then, you know, kind of second half, had a bunch of mistakes, lost to Illinois by, by 10 points. But then lost to Georgia State. That was, that was a blemish on their record. But, see, FAU is the team I picked to win the conference at the beginning of the year. I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the Owls. They did very well. The Owls think they struggled against UAB a little bit. UAB made the adjustments, the adjustments so against the Blazers. So I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the FAUs. I think they rebound. They had an open week last week. Give me the Owls, and I'm gonna go with my Zimmer winner. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna say they're gonna win outright by more than seven points. So interesting. Okay. Give, me, give me the Owls because I think 
I still have them in the conference championship. I, I think Charlotte's going to have a blemish somewhere, just considering how good the races are, but I'm going to go with the Owls. All right, let's go to uh, UConn, the University of Connecticut, Middle Tennessee, taking on the Huskies. Uh, you know, Middle Tennessee struggled all year with Rick Stocks on his 16th season. UConn, as of right now, they had Randy, Randy Etzel at the beginning of the year. He's out of a job now. Lou Spanos is the interim head coach. Alex, your thought on this one? Well, UConn had a big win last Saturday, but they still have not beaten in, uh, I believe, an FBS team since 2019. So, I believe it was UMass was the last. Yeah, UMass was the last yeah. one, So, which that was a pretty epic matchup early in the year between UConn and UMass. I think that Middle Tennessee State goes in and beats UConn. Uh, they're favored by 15 in this one. I don't know if they'll quite cover that, but I think that they will definitely get the win. I agree with you. I'm going to go with the Middle Tennessee. I just think, you know, you talk about UConn. I think, you know, they defeat Yale. I mean, I get it's the first win in about 700 days, but, you know, congratulations to being an FCS opponent. Was the win convincing? No. So it's not like it's not like a normal FBS-FCS team where it they came, go, yeah, they go blow them out. But. They came to a Hail Mary, and really, honestly, UConn did not bat the ball down, and Yale really could have caught that and won the game. So uh, definitely some close getting by for UConn there. And just look at the end of this season. How about this for UConn's end of the season? Whoever made this schedule so has to reevaluate. Next week against Clemson. Oh, you know, that's going to be a loss. Then the week following against – sorry, two weeks against Clemson. Then the following week, UCF, and then Houston to wrap out the season. So give me give me Middle Tennessee here, but I think they're going to have a blowout in UConn. So we're going to Blue Raiders. All right, let's go to the next game on the docket. Rice going to UAB. UAB, they won last week. They had, they shut out Southern Miss in the anemic offense. Rice has struggled all year. Alex, your thought on this pick? Well, I, I was another person who thought that UAB would win Conference USA this year. I believe the UAB will get the job done against Rice. They, they've got a tremendous program under Bill Clark. It resurrected the program after they uh, ceased operation in 2014. It's been one of the great stories in college football. Give me UAB. Great story. Now they're going to be moving on from Conference USA in about a couple of weeks. They're going to be heading to that U- to the American Athletic, which will, if we have time, we'll dive on that a little bit near the end. I'm going to go UAB as well. I think Rice, you know, that Rice has had her bad quarterback play between Jay Constantine and, and McCaffrey. They don't have their guy at quarterback, and as I've been saying a lot on, on this program, if you don't have a good quarterback, you're not going to win games. You're, you're going to struggle. So. I'm going to go with UAB here. I think this game's going to be a blowout. So give me the Blazers big. Alrighty, let's go to the next game on, on the docket. Liberty at North Texas. And North Texas last week, they, they had a last-minute stand in the fourth quarter, but only had seven points in the first half. Liberty, they've played almost every – they've played a lot of teams in Conference USA. They've been dominating the Flames 5-2 and two against the 1-5. and five. Mean Green – Alex, your pick on this one? Well, as Andrew mentioned earlier on the program, Liberty lost to UL Monroe last weekend. Kind of a shocker. They went. Their other loss is a close loss on the road on a Friday night game in, at Syracuse. This is a Liberty team that I think is very good. Last year they went 10-1, and the only team to beat Coastal Carolina last season. I think that this will be a blowout, especially considering what Marshall just went into North Texas and did. I take Liberty, and they'll cover. Look at Liberty's schedule. North Texas, UMass, and how about the Hugh Freeze Bowl? They're gonna play. They're gonna play number twelve Ole Miss on November sixth, and then an off week before. You, you, the Raging Cajuns and Army. 
I agree with you. Give me a blowout by by Liberty. I think they've done phenomenal. The first two Conference USA games, they've blown out UAB, Middle Tennessee, and Old Dominion. They played three Conference USA teams, so they've blown them all out. Make this a fourth blowout for the Flames against Conference USA, so give me the Flames big. All righty, we're going to go – we're going to skip UTSA La Tech. We will come back to that, as Andrew mentioned. That is the game of the week, so we're going to move on. We're going to move on to – in our program now to the next – the next game, and how about how about this one? Two teams that really are struggling. You know, West Kentucky and, and you know Bailey Zappi's had a great year, tied for first in touchdowns, second in total yardage. But the Hilltoppers just do not have the record to show that they're going down to FIU, which we talked about a couple weeks ago with the FIU coaching open portal. So, Alex, your thought on this one? West Kentucky favored by 15 here, but they've really struggled, at least record-wise. Yeah, I'll take Western Kentucky in this one. I mean, you, you go down the line and look at their schedule. A close loss to Army, who's a pretty solid football team. Close loss to Indiana, who hasn't had the year they wanted, but still a solid Big Ten team. Played Michigan State on the road. Close loss against UTSA, who is now ranked. And then a blowout win over Old Dominion last week. And then start talking about FIU. They are not having a good trend. They haven't won a game since week one against Long Island. They haven't beaten an FBS team. I'm going to take Western Kentucky, and I think Western Kentucky will cover. I'm going to go Western Kentucky here. I, I just – Devontae Price, FIU's running back, I think he had a good start of the season against Long Island. He just has not lived up to that. You know, Max Bordenschlager, I believe, at one point was third in completion rating. You see where this is going out. So they started off very good. They had a couple close games, and they kind of crumbled. So I, I believe the crumble fest continues. Give me a Western Kentucky. So I think this, I, I, I agree. I think they cover. I don't think this is going to be a blowout. And then the game of the week, the 24th-ranked Roadrunners will take on the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. Alex, thing of note here, La Tech's lost a lot of close games this year. How do you think they fare this week against the 24th-ranked team of the nation? Well, I think this L.A. Tech team has shown you that they're pretty solid. They uh, had a chance to beat Mississippi State week one. They had, a, I believe, a Hail Mary go against them against SMU, who is an undefeated-ranked team right now. They didn't look so good against UTEP in their last outing, but... They're looking for a game to make their season, and I think they make their season this week. And give me L.A. Tech on the upset win over UTSA. My concern with UTSA is this, and I've been, and I, and I, and I've been a huge UTSA fan all this year. I just think they could get into their heads a little bit. You're right now. You kind of have all this additional pressure on you. I think it's easy for them to get in their heads and be like, okay, now we're expected to win. So... I'm gonna go UTSA. It's a six point five. They're favored by six point five. I think LaTeX. I think I think LaTeX covers the six point five. But I'm, I'm gonna give me the give me the Roadrunners. I think they have a good performance. So Roadrunners win. And since we got two minutes before we got to hand it off to Sportsview, j- just some final thoughts here on, on what we're talking about. Just overall on the show tonight. You know, we talked about Conference USA, and I you know, by this time next week, the whole conference landscape could be changed, Alex. Yeah, and that's that's one of the interesting things you, you look at, and it's it's all the ripple effect caused by Oklahoma and Texas. Oklahoma and Texas leave the Big 12. There goes the Big 12 scrambling to fill the spots. Where do they go? The American. Now the American's go, uh, going to fill those spots, and it leaves Conference USA in a precarious position because you have a lot of your teams getting poached to the American Conference and now potentially to the Sun Belt Conference. So it's kind of a question of will this conference go the way of the Big East? Or will we, you know, have something here that, that's worthwhile? Will we convince, you know, some of these teams to stay like Marshall and then add a couple of really competitive teams like Liberty or James Madison in? It's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds. I think Marshall right now is the catbird seat. You know, I, I don't think 
the other schools that are that are staying. I don't think they're gonna have as much of an influence as Marshall's gonna have in the ultimate decision. So we gotta put a pin in it there because we're gonna come back to it next week. Because by next week, the news will we'll see how the news is next week. But we thank you for listening to Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. For Andrew Rogers, Alex Jackson, Ben Cower, I'm Justin Zimmer. Sports View is next with Steve Cotton and Andrew on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Thank you for listening to Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Tune in again next Wednesday at 530 for another episode.